This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Code of Conduct. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. This is the Code of Conduct with the King Podcast. I am your host, Jay Spence the King, and I'm amped. I ain't even gonna lie. I'm amped. Because I got my homeboy kicking it with me tonight, and I ain't gonna front. We just talked for like maybe not even five minutes, and he's actually already cooler than I thought he was. So I'm amped. I got my man Marcel Louis Jock joining me from ESPN. So y'all already know that means Jay Spence the King has stepped up. <laughs> I'm just joking with y'all. Yo, I'm gonna get right to it because I've been waiting on this for a couple weeks. So I'm going to bring my man Marcel in, and we're going we gonna to get right to it. So ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Code of Conduct on this, I want to call it a special, special edition, but it's actually Monday night. It is Memorial Day weekend, and uh, so I guess that does make it special. So it's a special Memorial Day edition of the Code of Conduct. Ladies and gentlemen, please, please, please welcome my special guest, Mr. Marcel Louis-Jacques. What's up, big dog? Yeah, you know, man, feel blessed, blessed to be on the show, blessed to be here on this Monday night, like you said, Memorial Day, you know, thankful for everybody who made this possible for us to be yeah. talking football on a 70 degree night in Buffalo. I'm sure it's a little more than 70 out there, yeah. but uh, <laughs> you know, we're finally, we're entering the chat here. We're entering spring finally out here. Yeah, yeah. Now, and, and because of that, like the timing of the year, it's, it's that time we're about to kind of sort of enter the dead time. So I'm like, you know what? This is a good time to get Marcel on. We can kind of review, you know, the offseason. We can talk about the draft. We can talk about, you know, OTAs that we just had. And then now the players are going to get a little bit of rest. They can kind of go spend some time with their families and then we're about to hit it. So, man, let's jump right into it. I'm, I'm going to start off first before I start off with the bills, though. I had I had your guy on here last week. Nate Geary was on here and he was like, yo, he's like, when y'all, when you get on here, you got to talk to him about fantasy. Cause he said that you, um, he said you, you, you got a, a pretty decent squad this year. So you had some, he has some concerns about you, but he feels like you have some, uh, some questionable, uh, GMing style. So uh, do you want to address yeah. that? Cause he came for you on here. He came for you. Gary would, Gary would say something like that. Uh, this is the same guy that just tried to trade me, Todd Gurley. You know, free agent Todd Gurley isn't with the Detroit Lions without a contract, Todd Gurley. Wait. So, you know, he can question my GM skills, but I'm an honest. I'm a straight shooting GM. But uh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. He trying to trade he, Todd oh, Gurley. Yeah. Like, really? Todd Gurley. Theodore Gurley. I haven't busted him about that yet. So I hope that he sees this. And I hope that, you know, this is the, yeah. this is the warning that we're going to have a conversation about that. That's disrespectful. Like, like, man, I wouldn't trade for him last season when he had a contract. And you think I'm a trade for him when he doesn't? Exactly. <laughs> Come on. Cap. Cap. New era caps. Man, I couldn't yeah. believe it. <laughs> yeah. Man, I made a, had to make a difficult decision. I was uh, – I uh, suffered a lot of injuries last year. You know, uh, Julio Jones off and on. Uh, Austin Eckler missed a bunch of time. Carson Wentz hurt his spirit, I guess. I, I don't know how to describe that, but yeah. that was a dub. Matt Stafford – meaningless football so you know i was like man i might need to be uh i might need to take trevor lawrence i might need to maybe maybe take a little bit 
but uh, ended up with the second overall pick. Skipped on all the quarterbacks and went with my guy Kyle Pitts out of Atlanta. It's a PPR league. I think we were talking about this before. You yeah. know, PPR league, one and a half points per reception for tight ends. I figure if I got the next Kittle, Kelsey, Waller type, Right here, and now and with Julio leaving, I mean it's a done deal basically. He's gone. So with Julio leaving, Pitts is gonna he's gonna step into to, as starting probably the number two role. But he's going he's the best he's the best offensive weapon that team has. So he'll he'll be the number one option. Easy, easy. Yeah, I I think so. Like I I've, I've got high hopes for this. You yeah. know, I, I had a while <laughs> I've had a while to to settle into it. Uh, and I think Stafford getting traded, once being traded, uh, that bought me another year of, you know, immunity, I guess, of, of you know, staying away from that QB needy range. And yeah, if, Stafford's solid. Hey, if I'm bad again, I'll trade one of them and, and get one of these kids. It's a good quarterback class coming up next year. Mm-hmm. Uh, big fan of uh, Sam Howell, Spencer Rattler. Uh, of course, he's actually, he's a Phoenix guy. I'm kind of upset that ASU missed out on him, but we're going to do when OU comes calling. But, uh, yeah. you know, there's some options coming up. Well, I, I did my um. So we just started a, a dynasty league this year, actually. And everybody it, this one actually has like the salary cap involved as well. So like it's it's a little bit more thought to it. And everybody was like going for obviously, you know, Bill's fans drafted Josh. I think he went third overall. Patrick Mahomes, went, you know, so they went and I'm like, yo, y'all going for these contracts. And people were laughing at me. So my first three picks, I swear it played out like this. I got Trevor Lawrence first. I was drafting 10th overall. So I got Trevor Lawrence. My second round pick, I got Harris. My third round pick, I got ETN. So I got oh. three rookies on those contracts for the foreseeable future. I'm good. And I still ended up with Hopkins, Julio. I got OBJ as a receiver. I'm, I'm stacked, bro. So I'm good. I'm yeah, good. man. Yeah, man. That's fine. I, I wanted ETN. He went toward the end of the first round. Um, I don't love the fit right now. And I have Eckler and Kamara already. So I was like, all right, let me not reach. Like, I, I was going to, I was ready to, to, to risk it all, man. I'm ready to say, yeah. take my round in next year, take Chase Edmonds, take what up? Like, what do you want? Let me get my guy on my team. But uh, yeah, you know, I had to play smart there. Ended up with Elijah Moore in the second, uh, Amari okay. Rogers there in the third, which is going to hurt if Julio ends up going to green Bay. So I'm, um, I'm trying to, to will that into existence that he goes elsewhere. And uh, I think I grabbed this kid, Kyle Trask, in the fourth round. There was only four rounds. So, all right, mm-hmm. we get attacked squad. Let me stash him a little bit, hope that the man learns a couple things from Tom Brady over the next year or two, and he'll be ready in 2024. We'll go take the lead by still. Yeah, no, you, you got a, You got a good strategy there going forward. I just hope you can kind of work some stuff this year. <laughs> you got to get some W's this year, though. But, but uh, yeah. you know what? You mentioned Julio there. Let's, let's get started into the football talk with Julio. Um, because you mentioned, you know, you're you're trying to will him away from Green Bay, which trust me, I think first of all, anybody in the NFC wants to will him away from Green Bay. And I think um, you know, Bills fans who who do understand how good he is, there's a certain portion of Bills Mafia who kind of wants him to come to Buffalo. Uh so before we even talk about Buffalo's chance in this whole Julio sweepstakes. Do you think Julio would be enough for Aaron Rodgers to be like, you know what, I'm changing my tune here in Green Bay? Because to me, it sounds like it's not necessarily a personnel issue. It just sounds like it's a it's an organization. He doesn't want to be there. Um, yeah, so do you think Julio is enough to change that? Yeah, like you said, it's not a personnel issue. It's a personnel issue. Like he's yeah. he doesn't like the front office. He doesn't like Brian Gutekunst. He doesn't appreciate uh, the lack, I guess, of communication and and respect from the top down. 
uh, in, in Green Bay. So it, it sounds kind of irreparable, but uh, I, I'm not. Uh, I'm, I'm not. I'm not sure. Our guy Rob Demoski has done a great job of covering this entire situation over there. Uh, I've heard from a couple people around the league that like he's Aaron Rodgers has been quietly stewing for a couple years now. Uh, actually, what I was told was a problem. He's been a problem for them for years, which considering the product on the field is kind of surprising to to hear that he was able to kind of push that aside and still go out there and try to win. But uh, I, I'm not sure. But I, I'll tell you what, they're not making that move unless Aaron Rodgers guarantees that he's sticking around. Because if you you trade for Julio Jones and Aaron Rodgers is still saying, all right, man, I'll, I'll retire and go host Jeopardy. I don't care anymore. Then you're stuck with this. I mean, we'll call it a championship caliber roster and no quarterback. And I think that's got to be one of the most frustrating positions in football to be in, to be Whoa. so close, to be so ready to compete without somebody who can get them. The they ball. got a number one draft pick. You don't think Jordan Love is is the right, he's the rightful heir to this, you know, this quarterback position out there? I, I'm i not willing to say that, no, because yeah. we haven't seen it. We haven't seen him even play in a preseason game. We have no idea how he's going to respond to uh, how he's going to respond to real NFL action. And the fact that he was inactive for every game last year is a little yeah. telling. Yeah. Like that, I don't think they think too highly of him right now. But maybe he took a, a huge step forward this past offseason. Uh, I guess we'll see more of those reports as minicamp comes about and definitely once training camp begins and we can actually see what he does against live action. But uh, as of right now, man, I, I, I don't, I'm not putting my reputation saying Jordan Love is the truth because I didn't think he was all that coming out of Utah State. Yeah, and that's what I was going to say. Like, you know, I, I don't want to speak negatively on the guy. Like, obviously, he got drafted in the first round. Good for, like, congratulations. But I didn't think he was a first-round talent. Like, you know, just seeing that in a, in a way, I'm not going to compare him to certain people, but, I mean, I feel that Green Bay reached in a way for him when they didn't need to. Like, they should have went for a weapon or something else. Kind of like the Bills back in the day when we reached for EJ or whatever. You know, it's like he's not a first round talent. Um, is he is he somebody who won games in college? Yeah. Is he is he somebody who can develop? Probably. First round? Eh, that's kind of, that's a reach. Yeah, not really feeling it. it, it I think uh, I'm a big believer in attacking your championship window while you've got it because they're mm -hmm. they're rare. You can be good, like you can be good enough to make the playoffs without actually being a championship caliber team. So once you've kind of reached that threshold. They go after it. And that was at the root. That was the root of, of my ETN argument for the Bills uh, for this past draft was like that window is open right now. Just stockpile and worry about the future later. Like, will you would you take a couple years out of the I'll put it this way. The, look at the drought. So obviously four straight Super Bowl losses and then, you know, just followed by a couple middling years and then piss poor play. Bills fans, ask yourself, would you take that drought, like, would you take the the lows that came after the losses if they had won one or two of those Super Bowls? Well, guess I think what? it would have been a lot wait, easier wait. pill to swallow. But wait, not even to cut you off there? Like, that's a great question, great perspective. The thing is, though, we took that L. Like, we took that two, those two decades of misery without a W. So the thing is, I think it's ridiculous when people try to argue. I, I see it, man. I just don't even comment because it's like, are, are you really going to make this type of statement? Like we've already gone through it. And you mean to tell me life wouldn't be different as a Bills fan if we had one? I lived in Indianapolis for like five years and there were so many times I couldn't even participate in conversations with my friends because you had Colts fans and Green Bay fans and Bears fans and guys with Super Bowl championships. And it's like, and they're like, no, no, no. Talk to me when the Bills make the playoffs. <laughs> 
That, right. That's tough. I, but like one Super Bowl win, man, can completely change. It changes a lot. Look at the Saints. The Saints got one in what oh nine, and I think they're still riding that wave. Like yeah, I'm they've been a good team since, yeah. but they're always thought of, of as this championship caliber team. The Packers have one, and they they're thought of as this championship caliber team with Aaron Rodgers. Like just because of that recent memory dub. So you get a Super Bowl, and you know you 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 learn what it really is and isn't tolerable but you got to taste that success and I think they were in a position where they could have done it obviously they didn't and uh you know I think Greg Rousseau is also he's a great pick position to need value fit so uh I don't know they're in a good spot but I thought it, you know they could have maybe reached for a little bit of luxury there if yeah available now with that being said because I mean we we started off talking about um Green Bay and Julio and all that stuff so we're talking about luxuries and we're talking about all that stuff I was on the same I promise the same train as you about Travis Etienne. And we're going to talk about that because that was one of the questions that I have prepared for you. But um, the the debate I often have with people about the Buffalo Bills is like, well, no, right now we don't have holes on this roster. People, right. um, you know, we're critical. We're very critical as fans and, and as analysts and journalists. I don't think the Buffalo Bills have holes. You know, we have areas that we might want to improve. Yeah, I mean, of course, I would take two Trey Whites instead of a Trey White and Levi. But is Levi is Levi Wallace good enough to start on other teams? Yes. So okay. I'm I'm not at all like that hard on guys where I'm like, no, we got holes. We suck in this area. No, we don't. So with that being said, I still don't think this offseason has provided enough movement for us to get closer to the teams that we're looking to beat. For instance, I think Kansas City, um, I think they beat us you know, handily, like I, I, without any issue last year in both games. The first game was closer by score, but if you watch the game, I don't think it was that close. So I think they got better with their offensive line. I, Nat, last week, Nate told me that he didn't think that um, the offensive line has gotten better. He thinks that it's more difficult for, um, you know, players to to protect for, you know, the MVP caliber, you know, Patrick Mahomes, as opposed to, somebody like Lamar Jackson because he's moving out the pocket. So the blocking is less, or I don't know. I feel like they dramatically improved on the offensive line. In my opinion. I think, um, I don't know if I'm not going to say that they, they didn't get better. I don't think they got any worse. I think that they're really banking on, they're banking on improvement by just getting their guys back. I, I not as low. I'm a lot higher on Cody Ford than, some vocal Bills fans are, but uh, I, I think when you put him at left guard, you've got John Feliciano and Darrell Williams uh, anchoring the right side. That combination of five linemen didn't play a single snap, didn't play a single game together last season. And so I think this is this what this offseason has done is it's Brandon Bean saying, we're going to blame the lack of cohesiveness on this COVID offseason. We're, we're gonna we're gonna blame it on you know lack of offseason reps and blame it on having to take a few weeks to get used to each other. Blame it on not having our our one tech uh, run stopper or space filler on the defensive line, and we're just gonna run it back with a couple mm-hmm. minor tweaks. You know, with the little the little Emmanuel Sanders sprinkled in there, and a couple new draft picks. But uh, you could tell that there's still such a believer. He's still such a believer in this roster. And you're right, there is no hole which was again another etn argument was that you don't have to go grab a defensive end you didn't have to grab an offensive lineman because they're deep 
on both sides of the ball, at, at least at the line of scrimmage. They, there is no immediate need, you know. When Eric Wood retired, they had a hole at center. Need. Like when need. they drafted Josh Allen, they had a hole at quarterback. They had a hole mm-hmm. at corner when they went and took Trey White and, and a hole at middle linebacker when they took Tremaine Edmonds. There is no hole on this roster right now. There's areas that they can improve. They needed to add a little bit of athleticism um, at the edge rusher position, and I, they really did that with, with Rousseau and Basham. Uh, they needed to add some depth and a swing tackle, which I think they, they believe they found in Spencer Brown. Uh, they think that Tommy Doyle's uh, – they think he's versatile enough to move inside, although that, that never really made much sense to me because he said we don't see Spencer Brown playing inside because of his size. Tommy Doyle is just as big, if not bigger, than uh, than Spencer Brown. So I, I I don't know what they see in that, but I'm I'm not a GM for a reason. But uh, I, I think this is just uh, there was nothing drastic here. This is just doing a little doing a little yard work, trimming the hedges a little bit, making sure it's nice and pretty for the fall. Okay, well, so I guess so. The original question I was going to ask there, because um, you actually answered it, but. Because you said, you know, you feel like we're just running it back because we're getting guys back. We're getting star back. The defense, And I do believe that our defense is cl- more closely the number four ranked off, I mean, defense that we had two years ago than the defense that was injured that didn't perform as well early in the season last year. So I do think we have a better defense than than what we've shown. But as far as moving the needle towards getting better or getting closer to like the Buccaneers or the Chiefs and and those teams that you feel like we need to get, we need to beat. What about now after talking about green Bay, are the bills really uh, like, are they really a dark horse for um, possibly getting Julio? I know the contract is, is a, is an issue. Um, I saw another report today that was rumored that, he's actually looking for maybe some new money because the bulk of his guaranteed money has been paid out. So he's looking for a reworked contract. Are the bills in play at all? Or is that just something that's like, Hey, you know, bills fans are just hungry. Mm, I mean, the fit would be, the fit would be pretty cool to watch. I'm not going to lie to you there. Um, and especially if it's all, if all it's costing is a second round pick, uh, Buffalo can maybe overpay and, and set itself apart by offering a first, assuming it's going to be a late first anyways, I think that's something that, like we were talking about before, that's attacking your championship window. That's something I think they could probably stomach. It's just a matter of, is he comfortable, is Brandon being comfortable investing two first-round picks, basically, on on the wide receiver position? And as far as him wanting new money, Stephon Diggs wants new money. So that's, uh, that's something that I don't think they can afford. You're talking about a quarterback that's about to get a – you know, maybe a market setting deal. Technically, Pat Mahomes is probably going to be the highest paid quarterback ever for a while. Right. So that's not realistic. Realistically, right now, the market is set at Deshaun or Deshaun Watson and, and Dak Prescott have set the quarterback market. Josh Allen's next deal is, is going to beat that. So you're dealing with this. Uh, your extension for Tremaine Edmonds is going to have to kick in soon. Good middle linebacker is not cheap. You're still paying. Uh, Stephon Diggs, he's going to want, we'll call it 17, 18, whatever the wide receiver market is, he's going to want to get paid like the highest in the NFL because he, mm-hmm. deser- I think he deserves it. He's a, he's the top three, top four receiver in the league right yeah. now. So there's a lot of, there are a lot of variables that you got to consider. A lot of guys that are going to have to get paid pretty soon here at, uh, I, I don't know if they can afford paying, we'll call that, if Steph wants 
be, being conservative, if Steph wants 17, Julio wants, what, 15, 14, 16, anywhere in that range. Can you really invest $35 million into two wide receivers right now? Right, because, I mean, and it's not like Beasley's con- Well, it's not like Beasley's contract is nothing, you know? So, yeah, no, that's a lot to spend in one position. Beasley is not. not yeah, he's going to make $7 million a year for at least the next year. Like, this is the last year of his deal. So I don't, I'm not sure if he comes back or not. I think they might be hoping uh, a guy like Marquez Stevenson can pick up the slot position a little bit. Gabe Davis also practiced and experienced at every wide receiver spot. You know, Maybe he ends up being a slot guy. Who knows? I, I just don't know if uh, based on Cole Beasley's age, based on his injuries, and maybe even his interests, I'm not sure if, if he's going to be back after his contract ends or not. And I definitely don't know what it's going to cost. But it's something that if somebody looked at me from the future and said, yeah, uh, you know, Cole Beasley is not with the Bills here in 2022. It's not something that like I'm going to be blown away by. Right, it's right. not going to catch me by complete surprise. He's a great slot receiver, but they've got to start thinking about the money now. And that boost up to $208 million, the salary cap rising to $208 million, that helps a lot. But uh, like I said, there's still a lot of places that they're going to have to make some tough decisions here. Well, let me ask you this, though, because you, you actually you brought up a couple other of the rookies like you brought up Stevens in there um, and and the wide receiver position as it is, is is a deep rot. Like, man, our roster top to bottom man. We, we have competition in every room. So in training camp this year or, you know, this, this summer is going to be competition everywhere. One of the the heaviest competitions or one of the biggest competitions is going to be that special teams return thing. Does Stevenson make this job or make this team if he doesn't win that position? That's going to be tough. You know how much Brandon Bean loves his draft picks, uh, even if it's a sixth rounder like Marquez. But he adds something even to this offense that I don't think they already have. He adds that home run, big play ability from the wide receiver position. Um, but I do think, yeah, uh, your best way, his best argument to make the team is to go out and win that returner job. And that was a specialty of his in college. Um, I think that gives them another year of, you know, they can allow Isaiah McKenzie back. I think the fan base might riot a bit if he doesn't make the final yeah. 53. But there's just, uh, you know, something's going to, some room is going to be impacted because if you look at the defensive end position, I know I'm getting a little off track here, but I promise we're going to no, tie no. it together. If you look at that defensive end position, Hughes and Addison are going to make the team. They've got a plan for Mario Addison right now. I'd be surprised if he doesn't stick to it. Uh, you look at, Three guys that were drafted past the year. So that's Rousseau, that's Basham, that's Epinesa. You've got five defensive ends on the team. Daryl Johnson Jr., they love him. That's six defensive ends alone. Then you've got Ed Oliver, that's seven defensive linemen. You've got Star Little Lele. If and when he does show up, I know they want him back. Uh, I saw somebody in the comments, don't have any update there. I, I know that's John. Bring it up, yeah. John <laughs> was not thrilled that he wasn't there. But still, you've got him coming back. So we're talking realistically nine defensive linemen, Vernon Butler as well, nine defensive linemen that are going to make this team. They haven't even kept more than five defensive ends since McDermott, you know, McDermott got to Buffalo. It, some room is going to have to take a hit. I don't know if they have room to keep six, seven wide receivers like they have in the past. I don't know if they can keep three, four running backs on the roster like they have in the past, three quarterbacks like they have in the past. So there's just uh, there's going to be some sort of domino effect. It, it all starts on that defensive line. Somebody comments, Harrison Phillips, Harrison's going to have to have a big summer, uh, to yeah. put it mildly. The 
the healthy scratches at the end of last year are not a good sign for his long-term future in Buffalo. But depending on how Star looks when he gets back, there's an opportunity for for Harrison. Now, you, I mean, and now that, you know, we kind of brought up Star, I was going to ask you about him a little later on. But, you know, let's dive into Star for a moment because I'm actually, I'm a little bit confused. Now, I understand that that coach wasn't happy because Star wasn't there um, this last week. I get that. Uh, but after the season, The Athletic reported that Star had basically, I don't know where they heard or who they heard from, but they said Star was coming back next season. Like they're getting him back. It's It's basically a done deal. Lately, we've been hearing that there might be, thoughts of retirement or he might opt out again or like, where is this coming? Have you heard that? Is that a valid rumor or is it something that's just like, because he didn't show up stuff is swirling. That's not anything that I've heard. Uh, I, from everything I understand, the team is expecting him back, or at least they were expecting him at OTAs. And, and the, the tip off there is Stefan didn't show up and Sean spoke about it and said, you know, as far as we know, he's 100%. We know he's working hard. When Star's brought up, he says, unfortunately, you know, Star is not here. And McDermott, he, he picks his words pretty carefully. So for that, to, that's, that either slipped out or he, he really meant it. But either way, I'm, I'm, I'm taking it at face value there. Um, but I haven't heard anything about him wanting to retire. Um, he does still have another year left on his contract because they did restructure it before he opted out. He does still have to pay the money back, that stipend that he received last season, but, um, you know, it's, it, it is a mystery to, to me as it is to the bills, why star hasn't shown up. Uh, they needed his presence at Oliver needed him, uh, last year. I, I think that fans maybe got a glimpse, especially the ones who are a little more critical of him, uh, during that 2019 season. I think they're seeing his impact when he's not around. So I think that's a, that's a big boon to this defense if, and when he does return. Now I'm not I'm not sure. I believe his contract for this year is fully or whenever he finally opts back into play is fully guaranteed, correct? Like I feel like after the rest- or mostly guaranteed. That's my my understanding is that he he shaved the years off or he shaved the extra year off um in order for guaranteed money in the short term. Similar to what they did with Tyler Croft uh last offseason as well. Okay, so he's a guaranteed roster spot. And Mario Addison as well. Like Mario Addison's Money is, is guaranteed, but they shaved his year off. They shaved the final year of his deal off. So these guys basically, even though Coach wasn't happy, he has a long leash in a way. Like, he's not being cut. They're not going to cut that type of contract, are they? Um, You know, maybe, maybe not here. I, I wouldn't be surprised if 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 he shows up and he is not who he is. Um, I, I think they are at a point right now where, you know, money does not earn you a roster spot, per se. Uh, I, I think they're at the point where they need the best possible. They need the best possible players on their on their roster. Now there is some sort of precedent of money, you know, being a convincing factor in your roster spot. Trent Murphy last year would have been a lot, you know, they would have been a, a lot better place financially if they had shaved that eight nine million that he was owed last year. But uh, I think a lot of that had to do with AJ Epinesa just not being ready. Um, mm-hmm. you know, and no fault of his own had a, I mean, had a rough off season. Everybody had a rough off season. It, yeah, was, it was different. It was unprecedented. So, uh, but I don't think that's something that Brandon Bean's going to make a habit of. 
Okay. Well, I, and I guess, so the reason why I'm asking that, so it's like how, how long of a leash do, do certain guys have? Now you mentioned earlier, you mentioned Cody Ford. It's year three for him. I have to, I personally, I feel like there has to be a shorter leash for this guy. Like I, I get that he's the drafted uh, player by the team. I get that they basically played musical chairs with this position. I, you know, I get all of that, but I also feel like to your uh, also other points, they brought in, they drafted Spencer. They, they brought in like their, our defensive line. I mean, our offensive line is pretty, I don't want to say it's like, we're like a top three type of, t- you know, but we have a, a, a pretty deep offensive line. So I, I just feel like, you know, he hasn't put together film as an NFL offensive lineman were like four or five, six games where he's just playing great. He just hasn't done it. So is that something that you feel like could be a short leash as far as Cody? Or is it like, no, I think we got another at least full year from the guy to to get there. Um, I think, uh, well, I mean, I think he did have, I think he had a decent stretch his rookie year um, facing, um, I'm trying to remember the exact order, but in, it was Von Miller and, and then TJ Watt and Demarcus Lawrence and Matt Judon, you know, kind of like back to back to back to back. I thought he held his own uh, as best as you would expect a rookie to, to do playing mm-hmm. out of position. Absolutely. Um, but I mean, based on just what Brandon's told us, he just hasn't been healthy and I don't think they've been able to properly evaluate him. He, okay. he has never spent a full off season at one position. I mean, you look at him in his rookie year, he's practicing. I saw him take snaps at left tackle. He took snaps at right guard. He took snaps at right tackle, obviously, at left guard. Um, you know, this past year, he, you know, he did he did play strictly right guard uh, once John Feliciano went down. And then they moved him to left guard two or three games into the season, which he had no practice at as far as what we saw during training camp. So I, I think if they commit, I think they need to commit to him at one position, commit to him at left guard and, and let him go. Um, like let, let him play, let him, let him show that growth from what I'm hearing out of, out of Cody Ford's camp. This is going to be his best year let yet. Yeah, he's a different animal. He's a different kind of guy. Um, after, you know, healing up from his torn meniscus, he's ready to ball out this year from what I understand. Uh but he's got to stay healthy as well because at the end of the day the best ability is availability and if you have a 3 year now track record of not being able to stay on the field, that's a difficult decision once you become an unrestricted free agent after the 2022 season. Okay. Well, I mean, I'm I, I like Cody. I do. I like and I, and Bills fans from what I gather, they like him but they're critical because they expect more out of the the run game. So transitioning to the run game, I was with you like during this offseason going into the draft I wanted Travis Etienne, and it wasn't because I don't love Devin. It's not because I don't love Zach. I'm happy that we signed Brita. I'm happy, like, cool, bring it all, bring it all. Like, hey, if 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 now the international program's done, you want to let, hey, let everybody play. I don't care. But we don't have a Travis Etienne on this roster. So I, I said all that out of sorrow. That's not the point. The point is we don't have him. So we have Devin. We have Zach. We have Matt. What do you what what do you see or what do you envision this running back room looking like this year? Is it really going to be a running back by committee? Do you think Devin? I don't know how running backs try to do it. They talk about it, but I don't know how running backs really can take like a step forward and become like a different guy in general. If you've been running like this your whole life, what what do you envision, man? I know that probably sounds like a weird like I threw that question out. Wow, wow. I'm sorry. I, I didn't know how to ask it because I was confused when I read the tweet when he's like, "No, nah, I'm." Di- how can you be different? 
Yeah, that's uh, what cracks me up. Uh, you know that that photo of Devin in the in the work in the weight room yeah. started circulating a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I'm not here to like brag about being in an NFL locker room, but I can tell y'all that been in a few NFL locker rooms. That's what they look like, man. Like that's yeah. what those <laughs> like all of like. them. <laughs> what an NFL player looks like with his shirt off, man. Means absolutely nothing to what he's about to do this uh, this season. Although I did have a I had a player tell me that. You know, if they if they did draft a running back in the first round, that Singletary would run for a thousand yards. That he's the hardest working guy in the building, first one in, last one out type of deal. He's a leader in that locker room, but that they like like I think Sean McDermott is a little, you know, if he had to choose one to to hand the ball off to with the game on the line, I think he's going with Zach Moss. I think he fits Sean McDermott's preferred style a little bit more. And you saw that toward the end of the season as he took over kind of that 1A role to, mm-hmm. to Devin Singletary. And, and one of the biggest, I, I thought one of the, the biggest signs that they're not ready, they, they're not willing to use Devin Singletary as a workhorse back. After Moss goes down against the Colts, I, I, I like to say I don't have the exact number, but Singletary I don't think got double-digit carries over the next two and a half games combined. So I, that, that's uh, yeah. that's not a yeah. glowing review as far as how they view him. But I do think that he is a he's a good receiving back. He's a guy who he's quick on his feet. He makes the first guy miss just about every time. He just doesn't have I don't think he has that burst or, or that that, yeah. that to, to create something out of nothing. I, I think that if the play blows up, he's not the kind of guy that can bounce to the outside. He's not that kind of guy who's really going to beat you in a foot race outside of that 50 yard run against a Broncos defense that had clearly quit. You watch Justin, go watch some replay, watch Justin Simmons angle. Uh, that guy wanted to go home very clearly. <laughs> so I, it, it was not a matter of they didn't have good running backs on roster. It was a matter of this guy brings something that no one else on the team does. Yeah. Like no one else has. And I think Brandon being kind of alluded to that um, when, before the draft, that he would be willing to add a running back if they brought something that, they didn't have specifically said that neither Zach nor Devin are home run hitters. And, you know, what made me laugh was I heard a lot of people say, well, doesn't Matt Breida look at Matt Breida? Brandon Bean didn't mention Matt Breida. So why should I mention Matt Breida? Like if he he's not talking about him. And no disrespect to Matt Breida, no disrespect to Matt Breida. But outside of like fantasy, like when have you ever really heard anybody really be like, yo, Matt Breida starting for the team? Like, you know, and not, not in Buffalo. I'm saying in general, in, in his past, like, and I know he's had a, a, an impressive, uh, so again, I'm not, I'm not at all like dissing him, but I'm saying like, he ain't been, he's not Christian McCaffrey. Like he's not, he's not somebody that, that you game plan for every week. Like, yo, okay, shut him down or else. He's not that he's guy. A, he's an NFL running back. I'm like, without a doubt, I'm not, I don't want to seem like I'm taking that away from him. But yeah. if the guy in Kyle Shanahan, who, under whom he had his best, years you know the guy who really figured out and really knew how to use him if Kyle Shanahan said he, he he's replaceable then I, I'm kind of gonna run with that uh, he was a little misused in in Miami from what I'm hurt what I hear um you know obviously he was finding some injuries there as well but ultimately he wasn't he didn't show enough to beat out Salvan Ahmed and and Miles Gaskin and neither which I think that's undrafted in a fifth round pick Right there. So I don't I don't know, man, like he he's got the speed and he's going to have the opportunity now in training camp to uh, if he can break off a couple big plays. Then I, I think he's got a shot 
here at, at sticking around this roster. But uh, I, I like Antonio Williams more than than my uh, yeah. than Matt Breida, based on just what we saw against the starting Miami Dolphins defense at the end of uh, week 17 last year. They were still trying to win. Yeah. And, you know, I had Antonio on um, Friday last this past Friday. And, and a lot of what he talked about was just like how at this point he's like the competition is there, but I'm willing to do whatever, man. Like in and, and that type of attitude. I just love it, man. It's been so many years where you can clearly tell guys were here or there, I should say, in Buffalo just to be like, you know, like, okay, I, I still got a job in the NFL. It is what it is. It's my career. People yeah. want to be there, man. Like, it's it's such a different feeling as a fan. It's so dope. It is. Like, it, it, you, and fans should be fans should be happy about it. They should be excited about it. Um, it is a – I mean, this is a clinic of how to reshape a culture, how to build a culture mm-hmm. and reshape a locker room what Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott have been able to do. Um, I mean, even for to take a guy like Jordan Phillips, I'll never forget that he hated it when he first was traded or when he was first picked up out here, you know, dragging his feet, grumpy, didn't want to be here. And he said, you just, it's the kind of environment that you can't help but want to be in. Like he, mm-hmm. he did not want to leave Buffalo. He just got, he got a bag in Arizona and you can't blame him for it. Yeah. Like uh, just like Shaq Lawson, Shaq Lawson didn't necessarily want to leave Buffalo, just made more money in Miami and it made more sense. So it, it, this is a it's a place that people are not, you know, they're they're not tripping over themselves trying to leave when their contract is up. Well, well, let me ask you this, because it's it. I, OK, so in a couple of weeks, um, I'm going to actually have Mike Rodak on. Um, so he and I spoke. He's going to be on before you came to Buffalo. You were down in Carolina, right? Or was that the, the last job? prior yeah okay so now down there the team that you were around the culture that you were around how everything was what is the the major difference um that you or and maybe it's not one thing but what is it that you notice from being around other nfl franchises or other professional franchises that makes buffalo now like mm-hmm. you know because we always hear culture we always hear and it's like coach and gm talk what what really can you put your finger on and say like, yo, this is different? Because I'm going to ask Mac the same thing, because when he was in Buffalo, he got a lot of flack because he was honest about things. Mm-hmm. He's I mean, in Alabama. Now. He covered a worse team. Like, let's be honest here. He did. Guys. That's, uh, yeah. He, he covered a, a mediocre at best product for, I mean, for six years, seven years. Like, yeah. Uh, it was rough. It's not all sunshine and roses, man. Like you got to, that's part of the job is, is, is having to tell it how it is. Um, the Carolina team I covered though was um, it was, it was one that was leaving its championship window or had, had just left its championship window, but didn't know it yet. If that makes sense. Uh, mm-hmm. I think they, the defense got a lot older, a lot faster than anybody expected. And they paid for it. Game after game, they lost, I think it was seven of their last eight uh, to finish seven and nine uh, in, in 2018. Cam Solder really never healed, and and he just turned in an abysmal season trying to fight through it. But um, it, I, I think that in the locker rooms, just from what I remember, uh, the Bills is kind of more it, – it's a little more feng shui, which sounds like it, it's weird to go to that level, but – it's kind of set up where guys can hang out with each other and guys can, can congregate and, and really engage with one another. And the Panthers locker room is just, it's really, it's straightforward, you know, two rows 
of lockers lined up next to each other. The bills, it's like a cluster here, a cluster there, cluster here. You got a pool or a ping pong table in the middle over there. You got uh, air, not air hockey, but uh, basically foosball, but hockey version over here. Like there, there are places for guys to just kind of kick it and hang out with each other. And it, it seemed like uh, they were a lot, they're a lot more willing to do so out here. Uh, the market as well. And, you know, people of Buffalo take this how you're going to take it, but it is more conducive to families or, you know, young families, burgeoning families or established families. Cause there's not just, there's not that club scene. It's not Miami. Yeah. It's not New York. You're not going out. I mean, if you're, some players are going to find a way, but like, it, there's not that kind of nightlife where guys have to worry about, or a team has to worry about guys getting in trouble. It's just, it's a place where you start a family, where you raise a family. And I, I don't know if anybody can tell me I'm wrong here. Me as a single person in Buffalo, this is a family oriented city. Yeah. So I, I think that spills over and that is a point that they really want to drive home. They like to drive home over at one bills drive. Well, I mean, man, I, I first to your point about Mike, you're right. It was, it was rough and he, and he got a, he got a rough time, but he was honest. And, and the thing is he's doing a great job down there in Alabama right now. Uh, he's going to be on, we're going to talk about some fun stuff and he's going to talk about some fun memories um, and, and good feelings that he have for, has for Buffalo. So Bills fans don't, don't be so rough on him, man. Uh, but, but yeah, no, man. Um, I ask that because, like I said, you always hear it. You hear, oh, the culture change. Or when you hear a new coach go in, he has to change the culture first. He has to change the culture first. The thing is, it's clearly changed in Buffalo. Like, you can see it. You can see it on the sideline. You can see it when you listen to players in an interview. It's like this. It's the same language across the board. Every player, you hear them saying, you know, I come to Buffalo be the best version of myself. You hear them say, we're championship caliber. You Like, you hear the same thing. And I just... You know, I was just wondering if, you know, what it was that you saw. So, so, but let's move on. I, I got one more question for you. And then, you know, we got a little bit of time. I want to let, you know, there's some qu good questions actually in the comments here. So I'm going to start pulling the comments up. But before we do, I just want to end this off where I just, I just read. I don't know what I believe because I, I know you have to play the game every Sunday. And I know like the teams we say are bad can be good. Like at one point the bills were probably, you know, people thought they were going four and 12 and then they went 13 and three. So there are times when, you know, you look at schedules, but apparently the bills have one of the easiest schedules in the league this year. Um, how do you see us? How do you see this thing playing out for us? Well, I mean, it helps when you play the team who picked first overall and you play the team that picked, uh, that picked second twice uh, mm -hmm. when the Jets and the, and the Jaguars, um, but I, I don't think it's a schedule to, to scoff at because, um, there's some tricky games on here, man. Like there's no, there's no law. I mean, if we're pulling up the schedule, I keep it on my phone right here. Uh, you know, playing the Texans helps. And matter of fact, that's, that's, they had the third pick, um, mm -hmm. you know, if it, it was originally there. So you're playing the three worst teams in the league last year, but, uh, you also, you've got to play Casey. You've got to play Indianapolis. You got to play Tennessee. Like that's not uh, that that's not easy. You got to play New Orleans. You got to play New, New England. Do not sleep on New Washington. Like Washington, even like please you get a 17th game and it's Washington. That's not an easy game at all. That's a stout Ooh. defense, man. Chase Young's going to be an issue, uh, and Ryan Fitzpatrick's going to have that offense working. And, unless this is that time, this is that part of the the fit cycle where you know right. play like a starter. <laughs> leave the team, get signed as a starter, and then play like a backup. It's like a – it's a never-ending 
cycle with this guy, but uh, he, I, I think him and Ron Rivera mixed together is a match made in heaven. So it, it's not a, and you got to play Tampa Bay. Like there's no, there's no real lull in the schedule and you, you can't, you can't look at last year and say like fans can't say, well, we went 13 and three last year. So that's the, that's the floor, you know, that's the standard now. Like last year was very, very good. And they took advantage of what was a tricky schedule and they beat the mess out of teams down the final stretch. Uh, it's, I think they still, I think they win 12 games. You know, I think they're, they're definitely in double digits. Um, I think they win the AFC East, but they're going to earn it. They're going to have to earn it by the time playoffs come. Yeah, I think it's I think it's a tougher schedule than fans want to give it credit for. I, like I said, that's why I threw that out there. Like people are sleeping on Washington. They're they're literally is the only question mark for that roster right now is how Fitz is going to play or if it's going to be whatever other quarterback is on the roster. And I was actually saying when all this stuff happened with Aaron Rodgers, watch out for Washington being like a, a wild card in that situation. If Washington were to get an Aaron Rodgers with that roster, dude, I, just just give it up, man. Just with give that up. roster, that division, you know, they've got weapons. Terry McLaurin is a true number one receiver. Antonio Gibson's good. Uh, they grabbed, I think they grabbed De'Ami Brown, Logan Thomas. Got to see it again from Logan Thomas. They got, uh, you know, got the got UB's guy, got Jared Patterson down there. Mm-hmm. So I know, you know, Buffalo's got a, you know, the city of Buffalo's got at least an eye down there in, yeah. uh, in Washington. But that's a, like I said, there's not really – there's no lull in this schedule like last year when they had, uh, you know, they played the the Chargers right after a bye week, you know, and they played here. It was like Cardinals bye week Chargers. That's that's the time, even though they lost, that's not really scaring many people. They had a stretch a couple of years ago where they played the Jets, the Giants and the Bengals to start the year. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, that's not scaring anybody they played the dolphins in the in washington back to back when both teams were winless like that's that's a lull there's none of that this year yeah. they when you win the afc east you get every division's best so i i think uh or when you win your division you get every division's best this schedule is the schedule of a division champion and uh yeah. they're like i said they're gonna have to earn it by the time playoffs come around and we're being hunted this year, man. It's not it's not the same thing where it's like teams kind of sort of think that we're on the rise. Like, no, no. Teams know when they're playing Buffalo. And and it's a it's a game that they're going to show up for. So, hey, listen, let's get some fan interaction in here, man, because they've been going in. And normally I, I ask, quite, like, I'll throw the questions up during. But like I said, I've been looking forward to this personally for some time. So I, I had to get mine off first. So I appreciate um, it. <laughs> we got the eye of the moment saying, Marcel, do you think this preseason's training camp battles between the D line and the O line will be must see viewing? Are you looking forward to it? Yeah, I think it's going to be exciting because, like we've established, there's a lot more depth on this offensive line. I saw somebody bring up uh, bring up Forrest Lamp, that's starting caliber interior offensive line. I mean, uh, Spencer Brown, Tommy Doyle, uh, these are guys who are going to push. They're they're not they're not pushovers. And uh, when you look at that defensive line. They need Greg Rousseau and they need Carlos Basham to make an impact sooner rather than later. They need AJ Epinesa to have taken that next step. So it's going to be an opportunity for for these guys who are, you know, they're they're being relied on. They're being painted as the future to get their first taste, some of them their first taste of NFL action, and to get action against several NFL quality players and starting caliber players and uh you know i think that we might see another situation like we did in 2019 where bnc is a couple guys that aren't going to make the final 53 
he's going to shop him around and try to get a draft pick for him. He, you know, I think there's a Russell Bodine type situation on the roster. Uh, technically a Wyatt Teller situation, although you would hope mm-hmm. that he doesn't trade. If you're a Bills fan, you'd hope he doesn't trade somebody yeah. who being <laughs> that good. Oh. But Wyatt Teller wasn't going to make the final 53. He just wasn't that good until this year. Uh, so, yeah. I mean, fault him however you want. They ended up with Stephon Diggs after. Like it's, uh, I think they did okay. Yeah, no, I mean, you can't be mad. Like, obviously, hindsight, you look at it, it's like, well, we could have sent somebody else. But you also have to look at that. When when fans make that statement, and I'll, I'll throw myself in there as a fan, when I make statements like that, it's like, you got to realize Cleveland probably didn't want other guys. Like, they probably had an offensive line coach that said, no, I see traits in that guy that will work. Yeah, let's make this trade. So, yeah, I mean, you know, you got to, it's, it's two sides to the equation. I know Brandon Bean is a wizard normally, but uh, you still got to, and at the time, people were excited about that because he wasn't going to make the roster. And they're like, what? We got a what for him? So, you know. So my man Jason Taylor is in here and he says, if Star shows up and fails his physical, if he has to have one, does that affect his contract situation? Yeah, that's one of those breach of contract type of situations like where I mean, part of the deal is that you're going to show up, you're going to be in shape, that you're healthy enough to fulfill your end of the deal. If you can't do that, then, yeah, that's a that's where the voids come in. And, um, you know, I don't want to I don't want to speak too deeply into into the specific language of his contract. But generally, yeah, that's that is how it goes. Yeah. And and the, the thing about that is it's just I was last week on the Hump Day Hotline with Joe Miller. We were talking about um, about Star and, and being in shape because he actually asked me like, well, Star didn't show up. Are you worried about it? Are you concerned? And I'm like, no, I mean, because at first I didn't realize Sean had an issue. You know, to me, it was just like, no, it's it's, you know, these things are optional. You show up when you show up. It is what it is, you know, but hearing coach talk, I get it. There's an issue. But. I just I find it hard to believe, man, that somebody who's been in the league as long as Star has, who's been a pro as long as Star has, I just I find it hard to believe that he would take that whole year off and really just be a, a blob sitting there drinking beer and eating on the couch all year and not working out and not staying in shape. I understand there's a difference between game shape and being in shape, but we got we got the summer now for him to get in game like, you know, training camp, all this yeah. stuff. I just can't see it. No, I don't think that he's I don't think he he's going to just go into atrophy or went into atrophy this past year. Um, I I expect that he's staying in some sort of shape. It is just something that you would hope that he would show up for. But then again, uh, you know, he he's a very established veteran. And even if he did play in 2020, he it's not like he was a lock to to show up for OTAs this year anyway, just because he is in that jerry hughes mario addison realm where they've been in the league for so long that this isn't something that they show up to to begin with so uh, i think it's something that we're maybe looking a little farther into just because of sean mcdermott's reaction but in the grand scheme it's probably not that big of a deal he's gonna have time to get into shape um he's gonna have mandatory mini camp here uh mid mid to end of june that uh we'll be able to kind of see where where he's at, the team will be able to see where he's at and get him on a plan to get where he needs to be if he is not where he needs to be when he shows up. Well, I'm hoping that he shows up and he's in shape because the thing is, man, I can't as a fan, not, just forget the content real quick. As a fan, I can't live through another year of of the first half of the season, man. Like, it was bad. Like, that, the running defense. And, again, I get that there was injuries and I get that there were things. I, I want to see Ed Oliver – 
be the player that we saw Thanksgiving game when when we went to down to Dallas and he was just out there just all over the place. I want to see him be that guy and without star or without somebody in that position. I just don't think he's free enough to do it, man. And I really think this is the year that I think this is the year that he takes that step forward. I, I don't want to call it like the Josh Allen leap, but I think this is the year that, that we can actually see stats. You know, I, I think he's been a good player, so I don't want to say he's going to leap in ability, but I think we start to see stats this year if we have, you know, the guy in his right position. Uh, he, he does need it because they've got the fifth year option uh, decision coming up for him next off season as well. And I don't think that he's trending toward not getting that option picked up, but that's just another guy who you're saying, all right, this is a first round pick. This is someone that they obviously believed could have a long-term impact on their roster and be a long-term contributor. They're, they're going to, they want to pay him. Like the plan is to pay him. He's got to go out and he's got to go out and earn that. But they love Ed Oliver. Um, like you said, played a little bit out of position last year. Um, I, I think with star returning or just a true, you know, a, 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 a true space eater next to him to kind of take the pressure off of them. Uh, I, I think that you're, the numbers are going to show up. And that's something that he says uh, pretty often whenever he's asked about the sacks, that like if you just keep doing your job, the numbers are going to show up. But uh, you can't necessarily critique uh, pass rush on just the sack numbers. At the same time, you know, they're nice to have. Well, okay, so now talking about sack numbers, and I think this is probably going to be the last or second last question that we're able to take. But speaking about sack numbers and that defensive line, my man Aaron Harris says that we might have for that final spot, right? And I always, I know I'm going to pronounce the name wrong, so hopefully if he does catch this or if he see, if he's listening, please don't be mad, man. Is it is it F.A. Obata? Yeah. Okay, well, I said it right. Cool. So F.A. Obata versus Bam Johnson for that final spot. F.A. Obata would have led the Bills in sacks last year. That hurt my feelings when I figured that out. I was, like, when we signed him, man, I went to go look at his stats, and I went to look at plays. So then I'm like, all right, cool. I was getting ready to do a pod for somebody, like, on a, in a different network. And it's like, wait a minute. Our leading sack guy had four and a half sacks last year. And he would <laughs> come on, man. So do you think F.A. is making the team? Uh, it's going to be tough. He looks good out there. There's, I mean, the size on the on the defensive line right now is uncanny to the point where, you know, speaking of Ed Oliver, looks noticeably small when everybody is is standing alongside each other. And Ed Oliver is not a small guy, so uh, he he looks the part. I feel about it. Looks the part. Daryl Johnson also grew an inch or two this offseason as well. He's towering. Um, I think they love that guy. I think they love his length there. I think they love his special teams prowess and I think right off the top that sets him apart from F.A. Obata Um, I would imagine F.A. is a camp casualty at the end of the year but uh, he's going to end up he'll end up somewhere because he's a good player Uh, but I think they like Daryl Johnson a lot at this point and I think that he's he's proven it he's done it before Uh, he's been impactful when he does get into the game on defense and he's made a a sizable and noticeable impact like I say, on, on kickoff, on special teams. So if I had to choose right now, I, I'd go Daryl Johnson. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm just hoping that um, we have improved play from whoever makes it. I don't care what 53, uh, what combination of 53 players we put out there. I would like to see more sacks. I would like to see real pressures. I don't understand this. And then, okay, we're really going to end this, but I don't understand the rule. Like when people say, uh, or the stat, quarterback pressures, 
to me, a pressure means you really messed up the play. I see these things where people are getting credit for quarterback pressures and guys are completing passes and it's a touchdown here. No, man, I need a sack or I need an incomplete pass or something. I don't get it. <laughs> it does seem like a it, it does seem like kind of a I don't know, I don't know if ambiguous is the right word. One of those stats where it depends on who's scoring it. You know, what I yeah. mean, like it, it's it's not a uh, it, it's not there's no standard for what a pressure might be. To, so it's like that argument, you know, with uh, Chris Paul when he averaged 20 points and 10 assists in New Orleans, you know, all those all those years ago. That you know, maybe the stat keepers in in New Orleans they were a little lenient with what an assist really means. You know, yeah, maybe, yep. maybe they waited a little too long and still counted it for him. So I think we're in the same in the same ballpark right there. But there is there is win rate, which uh, is, is quantified as beating your block within two seconds. And Jerry Hughes had the highest pass rush uh, yeah. win rate in the NFL last year. The Bills as a team, I believe, were fourth best. But um, so the, the, the rush is there. It's just you do need to finish it. We say sacks don't yeah. matter, but you do have to no, finish they do. They do. I, I would. I would much. Um, obviously, turnovers are are far, far more valuable. But man, sacks, interrupting you. That is a. That is literally game changing plays. So, the thing is, when you keep missing, it's like the momentum stays or the momentum will shift. But a sack, man, is such a game changing play. So, listen, Marcel. I thank you so much, man, for taking an hour out of your holiday. Like, you know what I mean? Like you spent the hour with me on your holiday. I appreciate you, man. Is there anything you got going on that you want to let people know about, bring some attention to? Oh, man, I got a couple features in the works. It feels really good to be uh, working on those kind of stories again after so many uh, so many speculation pieces and draft pieces. So uh, I'm mm-hmm. excited to share those with you guys uh, on the on, on a couple of guys in this rookie class to try to give you a little bit more background as to who they are. But uh, other than that, man, no, Adam, thanks for having me on. Like I said, this is no problem at all. Uh, just got home a couple hours ago, a few hours ago, actually, from uh, I was in the city, New York City all weekend. So okay. this is a cool thing to, to, to get back to and help get my mind right for this coming work re- week. So appreciate you for the opportunity, man, anytime. Man, so it, uh, ladies and gentlemen, what I'm going to try to do is um, I'm going to try to book them now for before the season and it's going to be busy for them. So we'll talk once we go off the air to kind of schedule that to see if we can get you on preseason. But um, but, but hey, ladies and gentlemen, you all know how we do it over here at the Buffalo Rumblings podcast and YouTube networks. Always take care of each other, love each other and live in peace. And as always, stay positive and test negative. Go Bills. Let's get it. <laughs> Code of conduct.